Sirs, our theories have a bearing on his identity. How so? Well, let us assume, as common sense dictates, that the prisoner's story is false. But if he did not come from another planet, then surely he sprang from our own. Yes, sprang! As an animal psychologist, I have found no physiological defect to explain why humans are mute. Objection! Sustain! Their speech organs are adequate. The flaw lies not in anatomy, but in the brain. Objection! Sustain! Sustain all objections, but face the truth! Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. This is Ruined Childhoods. I'm John. That's Dan. On this episode, we're talking about Planet of the Apes. Dan, how the hell are you? I'm doing swell, John. How are you? I'm doing all right. I've watched so many Planet of the Apes things. Ah, yes. I read the book. I have done my homework, but uh, I I don't feel like my uh, my inquiry into the world of Planet of the Apes ha- is going to be finished once we stop recording this episode. Wow. Okay. And I'm I'm excited to hear how the book like kind of ties into everything here because I've never read it and I've now seen all of the films in the franchise. Amazing. Um, the only ones that I have not seen recently are Rise of the Planet of the Apes and uh, the, the one that comes after that. Dawn. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Thank you. Dawn. Uh, well, Dan, we'll, we'll talk Dawn. about that all. We'll, we'll get to that all real soon. Oh, Dawn but... from Staten Island? No. Dawn from the Planet <laughs> of the Apes. Dawn uh, of the... Dawn of. Dawn of, of the... the Planet of the Apes. Not Dawn of Manhasset. No. I'm... You're on a whole tear. You have to get it out of your system. Just So, just, Dan, just ha- have, you, have you, aside from the Planet of the Apes movies, seen anything good lately? Oh, man. No, I, I don't think I have watched anything other than... I've been devoted to... Plan- other we than gave, We gave ourselves a lot of homework. Other than Barry. Other than the one television oh. series. Oh, and I did watch the first episode of The Diplomat on Netflix, which I enjoyed because I, I'm a, I'm a Carrie which Russell fan. Which one is fan. The Diplomat? That's oh, not, the uh, Carrie Russell Yeah, one. Carrie okay. Russell and Rufus Sewell. Um, oh, yeah. Star of um, Dark City, a movie that I look forward yeah. to someday covering. Uh, our yeah, our next episode will cover a movie from that same year, hint, hint, but uh, that's really not uh, much of a hint at all. But but um, anyway, so Rufus Sewell, Kerry Russell is in it. Um, you know, uh, first episode was good, but otherwise, you know, just kind of uh, I'm keeping up with Barry, um, the final season of Barry and loving every minute of it. Just I the developments, the new I'm not going to be specific about anything, but just you know, kind of the uh, the steps taken in this last season and the places where we've 
uh, you know, put the characters. It is such engaging television and, uh, kudos, kudos to everyone involved. But man, uh, you know, Bill Hader, it just, you know, you, even SNL, you were like, yeah, this is, this is one of those SNL cast members who is going to be around and who's going to be a star. And he's fantastic. I mean, just in addition to what he's done already. And Barry yeah. is such a, um, it, it just kind of defies, um, it defies definition. It defies genre. So, um, really into it, really excited to see where, um, where the last few episodes take us. Yeah, I've been watching it too. It's it's exciting. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure where things were going this final season of the show, but now it's like, ah, okay, here we go. It's it as we are recording this, it's, you know, which is uh, you know, Saturday the 27th of May. So, uh tomorrow evening there will be a new one that will uh probably reveal a whole lot more. Uh Henry Winkler doing Always Uh, amazing work. It's so, it's so funny because I look at him, I look at his performance and I'm like, is this career best? And then you think back and I'm like, you're asking this question about the Fonz. And it's kind of like, but like talk about Henry Winkler's, um, I, I would say career third act, maybe, which I include Arrested Development in with, with Barry. In that just it actor for not even certain roles, because like Barry Zuckercorn is is not much like Gene Cousinow. Right. Uh, you know, there's a slight there's a Venn diagram with some slight crossover. I'd but. say there's a naivete to both of those characters, like a little bit of a cluelessness uh, to them, you know, very self unaware but also That's, very like you know self self preservation i think is a sure. big and yeah. i would also and i'd also uh, include his performance in the show children's hospital you know oh. he's, he's so good at being that you know that person that's been through it all and has seen it all but just kind of uh, doesn't click with the real world fully. But, but I got to say, like, in season one of Barry, I did not see his performance and his character going in such a direction where I would really say in terms of, like, acting. Yeah. This is this could be career best, even though he, like was the Fonz. Right, but I mean, even as for a certain Fonz, generation is like... Right, I mean, but as the it Fonz... It almost excludes that performance. <laughs> sure, okay. But talking about <laughs> Arthur Fonzarelli, I'd say that, you know, yes, he defined a, a you know, a character and, and you know, was the, the heart of a character that was very beloved, but I wouldn't say that his acting as the Fonz was necessarily groundbreaking acting no no. it's just what he what he gave to it you know made it better than what it should have been probably on paper and i mean what what a convincing role for any actor to uh to be a jewish person playing italian (laughs) seriously yeah seriously to the point where nobody was questioning like that was one where like as 
Arthur Fonzarelli guy. I, I don't know about you, but as as a Jewish kid, finding out that the fucking Fonz was Jewish, and this was long before Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song. I mean, that's how I found out. Yeah, well, yes, yes. Um, I, I'm a bit older, so... I I knew I found out like some other way because of course like when when there's like when there's a cool Jew um you know like they are brought to your attention like like if deaf I think every boy at least of my generation and probably before and after like Jewish kids like baseball Sandy Koufax Yeah I I would say that for a time I uh, Henry Winkler was probably television's sandy koufax i would i would say so <laughs> although yeah also like I, I, in this one i think i found out from the hanukkah song but like william shatner yeah okay well what, the fonds of space yeah this is a uh a future you fonds. Know, this is a speaking of the future speaking of the future speaking of the future sure planet of the apes yes uh, the William Shatner actual space traveler. So there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Shatner was considered at all for the role of Taylor in Planet of the Apes. I do not know. I well, we'll we'll talk we'll talk more. You know, put a pin in that one. Uh, because I just wanted to tell you quickly. Uh, about about a movie that I saw recently. Oh, please. You know, you know this is a podcast where we talk about, um, you know, cult and classic movies and things that maybe fall in between or for us are very special, perhaps, and perhaps are also special for other people. And, uh, you know, we like to kind of do that little thought experiment of how could we bring it back as uh, something else, you know, mm. nowadays. And, uh, you know, as Planet of the Apes is this, enormous franchise i saw the latest installation of another enormous franchise i saw fast x the latest fast and the furious oh my oh do tell and i well i saw the first one in the theater and then i kind of like dipped out of it and then once like fast five came out and everyone's like uh these movies are really good and then uh, they've continued to just get like more and more bonkers and so much fun. And of course, you know, there's just so much lore behind all of it. And uh, the the people who have who have uh, joined the cast just because they love the franchise and want to be part of it. Charlize Theron, Helen Mirren. You know, there's people with actual like gravitas who are just like, yeah, that looks like fun. Put me in one of those movies. And I, I, you know, Fast 7 is a, a really fun movie. You know, Fate of the Furious is is a blast. Um, I forget what the ninth one was. Fast 9? I don't know. And, and fine, fine, yeah. fine, fine and furious. I but, but I have to say, Fast X, they've lost me. I, May I ask a question? Yes, sir. So I, you know, I know nothing. They lost me. I did not see Fast 9. I was basically, you know, uh, yeah, anyway. So my question is where they've lost you, because I'm trying to think of where else they could possibly go. And maybe it has nothing just- to do. It has nothing to do with the... I will say lud- ludicrousy, ludicrous is in the movies, 
of it. It has more to do with some of the decisions made. Okay. So um I think I can still ask my question. Okay. And also there is there is precedent for this. Okay. Do they go into space? They did that in the ninth one. Did they? Yeah. No shit. Oh, I didn't see it. Okay, so they did it yeah, one installment before Friday the 13th did it. Okay, because I was like, oh, Jason okay. X is the one that's in space. Not that I've ever seen it, but I've kind of always had a curiosity about it because I've heard it's basically alien with Jason. <laughs> okay. And I'm not a All Friday right. the 13th fan, but I'm like, okay, I'm interested. Long story short. Yeah, so there's a <laughs> a wonderful moment where like they have to destroy a satellite so that a you know data transfer can't you know finish and the way that they do it is they uh essentially duct tape a bunch of rockets to a Pontiac Fiero yes! and send Ludacris and Tyrese into space and uh Wait, Vin Diesel doesn't get to go to space? No. I'm fine with has being... things to do on solid okay. ground. I'm totally cool with it being ludicrous and Tyrese, but I just wasn't oh, expect. I'm like, the... no, was this was must have been hilarious. Well, they're the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the Fast oh, franchise. Oh wow, damn! They, they're they're such a dynamic duo of comic relief. Uh, Fast Nine also has this really incredible through line in it that Tyrese does, where he is pointing out like you know how we've been in all these like crazy situations and none of us have ever ever gotten like a scratch on us like are we invincible are we immortal like what is going on like uh i just had 20 people shooting at me and somehow they all died and i am without even like a bruise something's up and it's uh, it's a really funny through line but it's kind of like you know, Ludacris just kind of like laughs it off with uh, the Ramses played by uh, Natalie Emmanuel, and they're just like make fun of him for it. But I'm just like, uh, he's got a great point. I love the self own. You know where I loved the self own was in Lost. I thought Lost had some great self owns. I, I don't remember what they what they did in that way. In Lost, it was like a lot of it was like, why is it always you six who go who and do everything? Why like the like the episode uh, where like yeah. art like Doctor Arst and they constantly comment on it and Sawyer's I don't know how like, you remember this stuff and Sawyer's like because I thought it was hilarious that they were doing it and and like so, Sawyer's like and why is Arst with us? And it was just, um, I, I always, they would do that every now and again. And so I do appreciate the cell phone. No, it's great. But this one, first of all, I went into it not knowing that it was going to be a two-parter. I, so when it, when it ends and nothing is resolved, it's just like, kind of like a wink to the camera kind of a thing. I'm just like, oh. That sucks because if they were going to do that, I wish they would have been like, yeah, Fast X Volume 1 or something like that. Because, uh, you know, at least you're then prepared for, well, I don't know, an, an, un, like, an unsatisfying ending maybe. Well, the new Mission Impossible is uh, is doing that. It's uh, like, but it, I, I, Mission I, Impossible I, fill in blank part one. 
Oh, it's a part one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, and you know, like the last Harry Potter movie and you know, when they do that, it's like, okay, at least, you know, there's going to be a second part of this story, but also Jason Momoa is the villain and I did not care for him. No. He's trying to, he's doing a whole like Nicolas Cage and face off kind of a thing. Where ah. He's like the silly charismatic evil villain guy. I've seen nothing of his performance except for like maybe a like screenshot or something. And that is, as you were saying it, my mind was going there like at the same time. So yeah, okay. it, it was just, uh, and I, I stuck with them through so much that, uh, that family and, uh, I love them for everything that they've done, but so Man. is this the so this one does not end with a barbecue and coronas and No, it family. begins with a barbecue and coronas. Oh. Does yeah. it begin with a new barbecue or the one that the did the previous one end with a barbecue and coronas? The previous one did end with a barbecue and coronas. This one opens with one with Rita Moreno. Uh, who I guess is Vin Diesel's mom because Vin Diesel's uh, ethnicity is wildly questionable. Well, uh, they don't seem to care that how, was Vin how Diesel, things come across. Vin, I mean, you're talking about, I assume, Dominic Toretto. Oh, of but course. Also, Vin Diesel. I mean, I remember that yeah. was kind of part of the whole thing. Like, you know, the appeal of Vin Diesel when Vin Diesel, you know, in the late 90s, uh, you know, burst onto the scene. It was, you know, it was kind of, man, he's all right. So he like can play anything. But yeah, the fact that I was he, like, I was like, so yes, John yes, Cena is his brother, but okay, right. So John Cena is his brother. Um, why am I blanking on uh, the person who plays his sister, Jordana Brewster? They kind of, and then when they go in Fast Nine, when they kind of go into the past, he's more of some sort of Hispanic. What? Yes. Do you mean there's a flashback or do they drive so fast around the earth in the it opposite is a direction of its rotation? Okay. Because I was yeah. like, wait a second. Do they do the Superman thing where they it's go back in time? It's not a Superman thing, no. no. Yeah. It would be so, great if Fast uh, X ended with like, you know, to be continued. Dun, 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 and it's like, you know, Dominic Toretto in the Old West and he's got the horses pulling the Pontiac and no. Mary Steenburgen is there. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if she showed up. Not in the least. Would not be shocked. That Mary Steenburgen? Hey, look, as far as I'm concerned, the Virgin Mary can do no wrong. And They're all driving their cars really back. fast. And you just see like a souped up fucking DeLorean come in. It's Christopher Lloyd and Mary Steenburgen. I, I don't care what Mary Steenburgen we're getting in there. I just want some Mary Steenburgen in there. Oh, yeah. But we are not here to talk about the Fast and the Furious franchise, Dan. We have a lot of ground to cover An for the planet, planet. Of the Apes. Several planets, actually. So, a little bit of background. The book was written in 1963 by Pierre Boulle, who uh, also uh, had written the book The Bridge Over River Kwai, uh, which was a, I guess, kind of like a fictionalized but also kind of semi-autobiographical story uh you know about his time he was like a french spy in world war ii like he was the real deal and uh you know went on to write a, a lot of really incredible and notable books and i was thinking a lot about planet of the apes and how this, like, I don't know, 220 page, it was a really quick read. Like, this little 
sci-fi rag just kind of created this whole phenomenon. I, you know, Planet of the Apes, when it came out in 1968, you know, it was huge. It's It spawned like four sequels, a television series, an animated television series. Mm-hmm. As we know, there's been, you know, of course, there's there's board games, there's comic books, there's the... 2001 remake there were going to be so many other ones in the works in the 90s there's yeah. the you know the prequel series that started in 2011 and it's all just because of this short novel from 1963 written by this french dude pierre boule yeah shout out pierre boule yeah uh, man you did it you did it you really created something amazing and uh the the script was adapted by uh Michael Wilson and Rod Serling, Rod Serling, who had written, I think like 20 drafts. And then Michael Wilson kind of came in and, you know, got it to the point where the studio was cool with it. Um, Michael Wilson was the one who, who adapted bridge over the river Kwai, but was not given credit because he was blacklisted at the time. Oh, okay. And so when, uh, when that one best adapted screenplay at the Academy Awards, it actually went to, Pierre Boulle, because he was the credited writer uh, for the the screenplay uh, because Michael Wilson could not be credited. So uh, that was remedied retroactively in the in the years following. But yeah, so Michael Wilson, who every time I hear his name, I think Michael Winslow, and it's not the same guy. Uh, <laughs> pew, pew. It's my Michael Winslow impression. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, this... Of course, reeks so heavily of Rod Serling. It's such a Twilight Zone it is kind of a thing. Some of the some of the the dialogue, um, especially Taylor's dialogue. Oh my god! Well, the di- yeah, the dialogue. Of course, the you know the twist ending, which I I would say that it would be spoiling it. But if it hasn't been spoiled to you by now, I'd be so shocked if you're listening to this episode and. Yeah, directed by Franklin Schaffner, Charlton Heston as Taylor, which, you know, you were talking about William Shatner before. And yeah, oh, there's there's so much similarity between the two of them and, you know, in their kind of space captain personas. Well, yes, they're the way they speak. And he doesn't quite do He doesn't do, go like the full on Shatner, but I I I love and am baffled by his demeanor, especially when they first land. <laughs> and there's oh my god! All right, well you know what? I'm gonna read a synopsis. Oh yes, yes. Okay, sorry, I forgot we have because the first yet. line because the first line of this you're gonna be like yeah that's what I was just about to talk about. Love it. Disillusioned by the current state of society on planet Earth. George Taylor travels into space with a small crew, understanding that they will travel the equivalent of around 2,000 Earth years. After landing on a distant planet, they soon discover that the primary inhabitants are intelligent apes and humans are regarded as pests worthy of study. After Taylor is captured by the apes, he is routinely studied, but since his his throat sustained injuries during a human hunt, he is unable to speak, much like the other human inhabitants of the planet. But once he does, everything changes, and he gets the attention of a scientist named Zira and her archaeologist boyfriend, uh, fiance, Cornelius. 
Hellbent on proving to top scientist Dr. Zaius that there are new implications for the origin of their ape society, Zira, Cornelius, and Taylor risked their lives to prove that civilized humans pre-existed apes. However, Dr. Zaius is committed to the narrative that apes are and have always been the supreme species. So yeah, as you were saying, you know, the the soliloquy that soliloquy that we hear Taylor give at the beginning, his captain's log. Yeah. Uh, he's like, as I record this, and who knows oh. if anyone will even hear it, and blah, 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 blah. Because yeah. he knows that he's like already outlived anybody who he's ever known, uh, because they've they've traveled already so many Earth years. Um, so actually, yeah, the part that I was that I was really thinking about was after they land and uh-huh. and like the two other guys he lands with, I mean um, you know, first of all, are not nearly as disillusioned as him, but also like you have to assume they also understood what was happening. And meanwhile, it's like he's he's like throwing it in their faces, like everyone you ever know is dead. Anyone you ever yeah. loved. Well, so Landon, who's played by Robert Gunner, is also like, you know, he gets there and he's in like a deep depression. He's like all sorts of messed up. And uh, he doesn't understand really what's going on. I'm just like, how do they, how are they not prepared for what actually happened in terms of the, the time, the time passage on earth compared to what it feels like for them? I mean, I suppose, I, I guess they're the first to, uh, to do it. And, but I mean, you have to imagine there's still some type of training and so like, yeah. look, when you get there and you realize that, um, Everyone, everyone is like, maybe everyone, everyone is dead, but like, yeah, be, be prepared for that. Yeah. And so the whole idea was that they were going to go to a new planet and like, you know, create a new civilization because they brought along a woman who did not survive the journey. Right. And, you know, it feels weird that they would have only brought one woman to do that, but here we are. But I feel like it's, the re- the reveal yeah. of her was like very Twilight Zone, even like like her, her appearance. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you see that they're so they're in these like sleep chambers, and then when it's revealed that hers has a crack in it, and she has like you know decomposed and oh aged. yeah. What I what one of the things that I found kind of funny is like you know they're in their sleep pods or whatever, and they've all grown like small beards. <laughs> You know, they've grown maybe like a one month beard. Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. Like what you have right now. Yeah. It's right. Yeah. Maybe a yeah. three weeker. Yeah, that. exactly. But like to me, it's like, shouldn't they have much longer beards and like maybe their fingernails would have grown too? Like they look, everything about them is exactly the same, except they just have beards. I guess it's just a show, like just a little bit of time has passed. As well, far as they're concerned. you know, we, we're not going to talk about that just the same way we're not going to talk about like how Nova is so perfectly done with makeup and her and everything about Nova, who's, you know, a cave person. Right. So Nova is the uh, a female human that's on this planet who, uh, you know, much like all the others, she doesn't speak, but she is essentially paired with Taylor in their experiments and the idea was that Taylor would mate with this person who he has named Nova um 
So, yeah. But, you know, they become companions and she ex- she goes on to the to the next film, uh, which we'll t- which we'll talk about soon. But I just want to shout out, uh, you know, Kim Hunter plays uh, Zira, who's yeah. she's great. Yeah, uh, we see her a lot in the in the subsequent films. Uh-huh. Roddy McDowell, who's known for these movies is uh cornelius these in fright night like i couldn't think of anything else off the top of my head that i knew roddy mcdowell from other like these movies and fright night yeah and uh and maurice evans is dr zayas who's great and whenever i hear that name i of course think of the simpsons uh planet of the apes the musical where they do oh, the of course the rock me amadeus parody with dr zayas dr zayas <laughs> Well, it's so funny, and it, you know Troy McClure <laughs> is such like. Of course, they're going to do a Charlton Heston thing with him, and knowing oh, it's that, perfect. You know Dana Gould, uh, who you know, comedian writer uh, was a writer on The Simpsons, obsessed with Planet of the Apes. So, of course, he got that passed through. Oh, he and, must have had that ready to go. <laughs> and Dana Gould currently, oh yeah, I think currently does like a YouTube talk show hanging with Dr. Z where he's Dr. Zayas doing like a talk show. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I did. And so I, he's, I haven't seen it, but he's got the it, like yeah. Dr. Zayas mask and all that kind of stuff. And I watched a little bit of it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of strange. Hey, happy for Dana Gould to be able to, to express his love for Planet of the Apes in as many ways possible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and okay, go on. Oh, no, and, and I was just going to say that uh, uh, Nova is played by Linda Harrison. So, as I'm I'm shouting out the actress in this. So, um, yes. so she's fun. And, uh, you know, there's not much more to say about this, this movie. It's... Beyond famous, uh, the ending, the twist ending, uh, the reveal that it has been Earth all along, and and you know Charlton Heston's like, damn it, damn you to hell, damn like, you, you blew it up, it. you've yeah. done it, yeah. So uh, what he's saying is that you know the humans have, you know, they blew themselves up, they screwed it up, they uh, they destroyed it, and uh, yeah. Uh- and I guess the, you know, watching it and kind of thinking about like, okay, so considering, and I'm like, because you're trying to think, you're thinking about like, all right, how many years has it been? And it's what, 2000 years yeah. later? So, I and thinking about like, okay, this is coming out in 1968. And then, so it was like, okay, so basically did humanity kind of like restart in terms of evolution, except not in terms of evolution, well, because that adds another like million years? I, th- I think that the, uh, I, I guess, not the non-confirmation of any of that information is what makes the three, I guess you could call them prequels, you know, get give you some of those answers or try to kind of explain away some of these things. Well, and except and and um, you know, in thinking about those, I feel like they're you know, whereas they are prequels, I also feel like they're yeah. reboots. Where it's a reboot prequel essentially. It's not trying to say like the 1968 Planet of the Apes is going to pick up what this story is doing exactly. Not exactly, but more on that 
later. More uh, on that later. Yes. But it, I was thinking about it and thinking about, okay, I feel like this is a reimagining. Also because of the timeline. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that soon. We'll talk about this soon. We'll talk about that soon. We'll, okay. we'll get through these. Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll but you, you were asking a little bit earlier about the difference between the book and the movie. And uh, I'll just kind of give a little bit of a... Uh, kind of a, just the, the difference between the two. In the book, nice. it's a much more civilized society. There are cars, there are airplanes, uh, there's traveling from several places to another. You know, the, the movie takes place just in this one little village and then there's this forbidden zone and nobody goes out beyond there. Uh, you know, and, and Dr. Zayas also in the movie uh, who is the keeper of the faith and like the head of science for their society uh, in the movie, like he knows that there were humans, civilized humans that preexisted uh, apes, but is trying to like kind of cover that up. Whereas in the, uh, in the book once, and I I'm, it's Ulysses, I, I forget the name of the character, it's not Taylor, but uh, the the human, essentially. Uh, Ulysses the would be Taylor. much more symbolic. <laughs> well, but it's also like, you know, there's a whole lot of Frenchness to it as well. So the um, that character, you know, once he speaks, and he actually, the apes speak a different language. It's not English or French for that matter. So he learns their language they uh zira learns french and so they're able to kind of communicate in one way and uh dr zayas is less uh of a presence in it until really the end and it um it's not the same twist ending it, he actually is on a different planet um and the the rest of the films, I believe, try to kind of incorporate some of the aspects of the book. The, okay. The 2001 remake, right. a reboot. Uh, it's like the the ending of that one is more similar to the ending of this one where he, he travels back to Earth, but it's, you know, it's apes who have become the civilized society. So it's like he has been away long enough that it's happened and that's you know, it's the, a the cyclical nature yeah although that that one is kind of a little bit more obscure in the sense of like is it the same earth has there been some sort of like you know black hole or you know something where time space gets warped and well i think the idea is that the general uh, Tim Roth fade in the, yeah in in yeah. the 2001 version actually goes through and like travels back in time but like goes earlier or you know kind of I don't know does like an old Biff thing I don't know yeah right and, yeah ba- basically does a Biff thing and uh, goes back and and that's why when when Mark Wahlberg gets back on onto earth and he's in front of what he thinks is the Lincoln Memorial and it's right. general Thane. That's yeah. What, well, there. I wasn't sure if that actually was him or if it, it was has just, his, it says his name. Oh, it says his name. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I missed that part then. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that I was just like, all right, is it over yet? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, this was your first time. Uh, should we yes. move on to, to yeah. that? Because, because that no. one's kind of a, it's not really the, all the, I think all the other ones are connected and that one's kind of like, it's the never say never again. <laughs> Of the uh yeah sure all right let's talk about that one i have my notes all in a chronological I, order i mean I so th- i feel like the so i feel like it, it is the it's the elephant in the room is the the tim burton okay before we talk about that though i do want to talk about how there were attempts at resurrecting this series i think starting in the 80s really okay uh and then uh, Dan, do you know much about kind of how this all went down? Uh, no, I don't. I actually, right. I know you've been. I'll doing give a, a Cliff's Notes research. version. I did, I did not do my homework other okay. than watching movies. Uh, I'll give a Cliff's Notes version. So essentially, course. let's start in 1992. Peter Jackson was uh, approached uh, to kind of write a treatment for a Planet of the Apes reboot. And uh, to quote him, so he and his uh, his wife, his writing partner, uh, his production partner, Fran Walsh. Uh, so about her, he says, like, Fran and I uh, had devised a storyline that continued the ape saga from where it left off in the fifth movie. We imagined their world being in the midst of an artistic renaissance, which made the ape government very nervous. It was a time of amazing art, and we wanted Roddy McDowell to play an elderly chimpanzee that we based a little on Leonardo da Vinci. The plot involved the humans rising in revolt in a half-human, half-ape central character that was sheltered by the liberal apes, but hunted down by gorillas. So that was a treatment that he had submitted to Fox. Uh, Then... There were talks about Oliver Stone coming in as a writer in 1993. Uh, His preference, though, was for a story based on apes from an ancient civilization with biblical connections. Um, And I'm going to quote him from December 93. It has the discovery of uh, cryogenically frozen verdic apes who hold the secret numeric codes to the Bible that foretold the end of civilizations. It deals with past versus the future. My concept is that there's a code inscribed in the Bible that predicts all historical events. The apes were there at the beginning and figured it all out. Philip Noyce, who directed Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, was going to come in to direct. And by the way, the star of this for pretty much most of all of this was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dan, you have a question. So the star of Oliver Stones, this my question is about was about Oliver Stones. So uh, these are it's all kind of a continuation. So it started. I heard with Peter Cameron Jack. was going to do one with. So no, James Cameron was going to come in as a producer for this project. Okay. So he wasn't going to be. He wasn't in talks to direct, just to produce. So wait, so and you're... and I think that the thought was that if they get James Cameron, their chances of getting Arnold Schwarzenegger would be stronger. Yes, facts. Um, <laughs> so the Oliver Stone one. Sorry to go back to where I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to regain the thought that I had. Uh, so the Oliver <laughs> Stone one. So Secret Society. Oh yes. So they were there at the beginning. So does it connect to 2001? <laughs> Does it connect to the movie two thousand one? The monolith. Yeah, I'm like, oh, um, oh right, yeah, because of the remake of <laughs> in two thousand one. Yeah. Um, no, but I'm like, it kind of sounds like the monolith in two thousand one with all the apes. Oliver yeah, Stone. I, I'm like, I, perhaps Oliver Stone, you know, had forgotten that he had seen two thousand one and maybe accidentally lifted some of that. <laughs> 
I don't. You you know what? I'm yeah. I'm a fan of early '90s Oliver Stone. So yeah. um. So Dan, moving on. Yes. To around you know '94 '95, uh, that's when Chris Columbus was approached, and it was actually tied to direct, uh, with the writer Sam Hamm, and I. Oh, of Batman. Yeah, thing. and so uh, in this one. Uh, and and all this information is kind of coming from the Planet of the Apes wiki. So for more information, check it out. So for this one, an ape astronaut from another planet crash lands in New York Harbor, launching a virus that will make human beings extinct. Dr. Susan Landis, who works for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Alexander Troy, an Area 51 scientist, and a team of pilots and scientists use the ape spacecraft to return to the virus's planet of origin, hoping to find an antidote. They find an urban ape civilization led by Lord Zaius, uh, where armed apes with heavy weapons hunt speechless humans. Dodge, a Jamaican astronaut, suffers the same fate as the originals Landon, while male astronaut Stuart, uh, and Landon, by the way, gets like lobotomized. In the in the first oh, movie. in the original, yeah, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Um, while male astronaut Stuart, which was the the female astronaut in the first one, didn't survive yes. the trip. Landis and Troy discover the antidote and return to Earth, only to find in their seventy four year absence that the apes have taken over the planet. And so, I think that that one was trying to use more of the original source material uh, to go with that. And Dan, if you haven't seen them already, I would recommend that you look up videos of Stan Winston's uh makeup and like prosthetics that were created for this they look amazing yeah i i mean uh and, and we'll get to the 2001 uh, the the tim burton planet of the apes in a, in a moment but the you know the 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 look of it all i think was good i think that the the apes looked good um less cartoonish than the original planet of the apes right um they made a lot of sense but oh, are you looking it up right now well, I was looking at, yeah, Stan Winston. Stan uh, Winston, yeah. So he and his son did these, like, screen tests with them, and they look so good. And I I feel like they they kind of dialed in the way that the mouths move a mm-hmm. lot better. Um, one of the problems that I had with the original series, and Roddy McDowell especially, I feel like the mouth movement never really worked. Roddy yeah. McDowell seemed to, I don't know if he was having a problem during all five move, well, I think he was in four of them, maybe. But he's like yeah. clicking his mouth or something like that. I, don't know. I can't imagine that would have been comfortable. And uh, <laughs> dude did it for like four movies. Uh, yeah. Well, but- I'm sure the paychecks were pretty comfortable, but like, well, I don't know. By the time they got to the fifth movie, I have a feeling that the uh, I know that the budgets were like yeah. Each with each movie went down significantly. So, yeah. Perhaps most of it went to Roddy McDowell, though, because he's the star. Well, you got to keep him coming back, right? I guess so. But, yeah, he's not. Although, doesn't he also do the voice of of his son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, we'll yeah. get to that. Okay. We'll get to yeah. that. Yes. All right. So, 2001, the Tim Burton one comes out. Uh, this is another situation where, and this is very standard especially in the most recent ones where the studio is just like, Hey, this movie's coming out on this date, make a movie. It just has to come out then. Yeah. So in this one, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg, the plot is as follows. 
Astronaut Leo Davidson becomes marooned on a mysterious planet where humans are treated as slaves and apes reign as the dominant species. Captured by a brutal ape regime, Leo finds himself embroiled in a complex web of politics, power struggles, and deep-seated animosity between apes and humans. As Leo forms alliances with sympathetic humans and a compassionate chimp named Ari, they embark on a perilous journey to challenge the oppressive ape leadership and uncover the truth behind the planet's enigmatic history. Along the way, they encounter ruthless ape General Thade, who is determined to uh, maintain the status quo and eliminate any threats to ape supremacy. Leo and his newfound allies lead a rebellion against their simian overlords, striving to overturn the oppressive social order and reclaim their victory. So we got Wahlberg as Leo, Tim Roth as Thade, Ari is played by Helena Bottom Carter. We have Michael Clark Duncan as Colonel Atar, the like gorilla, mm-hmm. you know, war dude. Chris Christopherson is one of the humans. Oh, yeah. Um, we have Paul Giamatti as like a slave trader, uh, orangutan, who, I mean. So obviously, Paul, it's like. Yeah. So wonderfully. And that was like, you know, I feel like Paul Giamatti's, you know, prime was in those years. That was when it was like, we got to get Paul Giamatti in this for yeah, so many wonderful things. I'm a big Paul Giamatti fan. So. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, he's a name. And for a comic relief type of thing, you know, he's got that like the voice that is right. very different. You know, it's it's very distinct, uh, especially compared to a lot of the other actors in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Helena Bonham Carter, you, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I feel like the actors did the best that they could with what they were given. It was, it's just, it just didn't work. The it just Charl- didn't work. The, the Charlton Heston cameo right he's Thade's is he Thade's father yeah 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 I enjoyed I I I did enjoy that um I also enjoyed Glenn Glenn well I mean fuck Charlton Heston but like it it was I think I enjoyed it I definitely enjoyed it at the time when it when it came out and I think I you know kind of appreciated that but um Glenn Shaddix Otho from Beetlejuice yeah, uh, Tim, uh, a Tim Burton mainstay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, great to see him showing up as one of the. I think he's really just in that like dinner scene. Yeah, yeah. But also, Mark Glenn Shattuck in a dinner scene always a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mark Wahlberg in this is very. Yeah. You know what I kept thinking of when I was watching it was the Andy Samberg SNL sketch. Mark Wahlberg talks to animals. You know, <laughs> How do you not? Mark Wahlberg was fine. I understand why he was cast in this. You know, it's it's an action movie. He's an action guy. Yeah, and- yeah. No, I I. I get it. I get it. It was he, just, it, the, the whole yeah. He he plays bewildered quite well. He does play bewildered quite bewildered and determined. Yes. Yes. It's funny because I actually was watching it and I I felt like it, from the time that John Cena broke into the scene as a as a wrestler um uh-huh. and he was doing like this kind of like rapper gimmick I felt he was going for the Mark Wahlberg vibe. And when I when I watched this, I was like, I feel like this is the Mark Wahlberg that John Cena was trying to be. 
Oh, you know, I, I know nothing about his wrestling career. I know him only as an actor. Oh, no. Yeah. I And he's fun. Seen him wrestle several times. Yeah. No. Um, love him in Trainwreck. He is a surprisingly enjoyable actor. Yeah. He's in the most recent two Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, he's good in them. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he's, he is. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, believable as Vin Diesel's brother? Not at all. No. But anyway, believable <laughs> yeah. isn't necessarily something you're looking for with those movies. So yeah. reference back the rockets tied to the Pontiac yeah. and or duct tape. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so 2001 Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I thought the, I think I feel like overall, like it's not I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's like an abomination. It's a yeah, it's fun. Just a it was a fun like, you know, it was a fun watch. There's, I always like Tim Roth. I love what, you know, yeah. Tim Roth being a snarling villain is fun. So, yeah, 2001 Planet of the Apes. And then, yeah, the ending, the ending definitely, I like, what I like about the ending is it sets it up for a sequel that has much more the tone of one of the sequels to the original. And on that note, yes. shall we talk Beneath the Planet of the Apes? I, yep. That was the 1970, segue. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. After Taylor goes missing, another space traveler named Brent arrives on the planet of the apes. Brent experiences a similar situation to Taylor's and finds himself meeting Zira, Cornelius, and Taylor's main squeeze, Nova. Brent eventually discovers the ruins of New York City's subway system and encounters a group of seemingly hyper-intelligent humans who have telepathic powers due to being descendants of survivors of a nuclear holocaust. Though they claim to be peaceful, they have ill intentions in worship of found nuclear bomb that's powerful enough to destroy the entire planet. All hell breaks loose during a fight between the telepaths, Taylor, Brent, and Dr. Zayas. Brent is shot dead, and Taylor is wounded, falling onto the detonation button that causes the bomb to destroy the entire planet. So, uh, James Franciscus plays Brent, who is a, I I don't know, a Charlton Heston analog. They just kind of put him in the Xerox, and out came James Franciscus. It, it is a, it's kind of like a Jason Patrick and Speed 2 type thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like if you squint, they just kind of look like the same person. And, you know, he's trying to fulfill the same type of thing. Uh, I thought that Beneath was kind of fun. I like the whole telepath thing. The, like that whole aspect of it was, was yeah. interesting. And oh, man, what a bleak, bleak ending. It just kind of ends oh. in like, you know, the world blows up and then it's it just like text on screen that's just like, yep, that's it. They blew it all up. Again. Again, yeah. But they really did it all this time. Yeah, yeah. Um I it really interesting. I and I I definitely like you said, like it was, it it has this, and it has an entertainment value to it. Yeah. I, in fact, I felt that way. I I would say for the most part about the sequels. In fact, the idea of going to the movies and spending a day, you know, watching a couple of movies, I'm like, that sounds lovely and wonderful and nostalgic. But I've never been the type of person who's like, oh, oh, they're showing all of these movies. So like, and then they're showing the new one that night so you sit there all day and you watch the whole series and i know that they did that with planet of the apes and i was thinking about it as i'm watching the sequels i was like man you know what 
I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind like going to a movie theater and watching these just back to back. And because it's really interesting to see how they it's kind of fun to see how they tie together. And I don't know. I'm probably saying that now. And then if it ever happened, I'd I'd probably, you know, during the second make. All right. I think I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I think that in a movie theater, maybe not. But if there were a screening situation in more of a, I guess, a place where you don't have to necessarily be sitting down facing in one direction the entire time. Yeah. You know, if it was kind of a get up and do as you wish kind of a situation that might make more sense for a movie like Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 silly. It's also very Twilight Zoney. I feel, even though Rod Serling didn't write this one, um, but it definitely kind of clings on to some of those same kind of uh, vibes. Just the imagery of those telepaths. I feel like, oh was like, yeah, this feels like a Twilight Zone episode. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much, very much so. Yeah, and then um, the following year we get Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Which is the, uh, you know, Star Trek for the voyage home of the uh, franchise. The, okay. All right. I have a lot of things to say about this one. But first, a synopsis. In a dangerous, sorry, in a desperate bid to survive the nuclear blast and dangerous, Zira and Cornelius manage to escape their war-torn planet by traveling back in time to present-day Earth. Like, the nuclear blast, like, made it possible As they adapt to their new environment, the apes are thrust into the spotlight, becoming both celebrated and feared. As society grapples with their existence, their presence sets in motion a chain of events that challenges human-ape relations, raising profound questions about prejudice, ethics, and the fragile balance between species. With the birth of their child and the help from a circus owner, the intelligent ape species stands a chance to survive after the deaths of Zira and Cornelius." So uh, in this one, we have Ricardo Montalban as yes. Armando, the circus owner, uh, who co- so shows great. up in the next one as well. And Sal Minio from Rebel Without a Cause yeah. as Dr. Milo. Um, there's also like, you know, the president is involved and there's all these like government forces. The whole thing about Zira becoming like L.A.'s new like it girl are so silly. It's so hilarious. I mean... Okay, Dan, this is not to make a, a a chimp joke or anything, but I felt like I was watching like an episode of The Monkees. You know, like <laughs> it, it was it was silly and cartoonish and then they were giving her what they call it grape juice plus like wine. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the juice the plus, yeah. Juice plus or whatever and they would like conquer out and it was just like and that's what got her to like loosen up and tell them truths and things like that and the point of it really is that you know for them to have this baby which of course the government is like wait these hyper intelligent advanced apes are reproducing uh that's not good and so i uh, ricardo Montalban helps them uh, you know, kind of do a little ape swap. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, what did you think of it? What did you think of this I, one? Much like you. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a, you know, a creative way to go because like, you know, it, it's not that the, it's not that uh, beneath the play of the apes was a carbon copy of the first one, but yeah, the first half was 
almost like one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, also like they they kind of left it with they left you really with nowhere else to go. So I thought this made sense. So and and the if whole it's I- going to be done in any way, that's the way to do it. Right, right. And the whole idea of like, oh, this is how they trigger, and this is why I question. Um, now that I'm thinking about, cause I haven't seen rise in a while, but I'm thinking about rise and I'm like, mm, wait a second, duh, could it connect? But that's why I feel like rise is more of a reboot. Yeah. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, is it possible? No, it's not. Um, well, okay. This is kind of the way that I'm feeling about it. So in the original series, you know, we have the way that it begins, of course, with Taylor and his crew, and there already is this pre-existing ape civilization on, as we find out, Earth. And then as that story continues on, it then goes back in time and is creating, you know, apes on Earth. And I feel like it's them going back in time is kind of creating a... A separate dimension. An alternate timeline. An alternate timeline. Right. Whereas, like, then the Rise, Dawn, War, etc. could still be the beginning of this, you know, ape civilization. Well, because when... Oh, so, so, when does it... Oh, so, they tra- they go to 1973. They travel to 1973. Yeah, so, and then in that you know, alternate parallel universe, the events of Rise of the Planet of the Apes wouldn't happen because there already would have been a an ape uprising. Right. In that particular dimension. I don't Gosh. know. If we if we had to, you know, write that <laughs> dissertation. Nineteen seventy two, one year later, that Fox must have just been like Keep them coming, keep them coming, keep them coming. Uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. The tables turn as the apes rise from slaves to rebels, embarking on a primal revolution. Caesar, the clever chimp descended from Zira and Cornelius, leads his simian comrades in battle for freedom, swinging society towards an ape Apocalyptic future with absolute determination. Sorry, I got a little cheeky with this one. They challenge the status quo and herald a new era where mankind is no longer the king of the urban jungle. I loved this one. Uh, yeah. So this one takes place what in nineteen ninety? Is this one takes place in nineteen ninety one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so the the spawn of Zero and Cornelius Caesar, played by Roddy McDowell. Uh, has, you know, grown up and he is, has been in hiding as being an intelligent ape this entire time. Thanks to Armando played by Ricardo Montalban, Mm -hmm. uh, Khan, if you will. And the first ape born in a circus wearing fine Corinthian leather. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Unbreakable. He's so good. I love Ricardo Montalban. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, so so Caesar finally comes out of hiding. He becomes part of this kind of enslaved ape society, but kind of brings all of the apes together uh, in very much a you know as a commentary on civil rights 
and the uprising of, you know, of, of apes in that way going against kind of the government. And this one has a really fascinating ending. They're in this standoff with these, these cops that it, you know, you see it and it's just like, you've seen this before on the news time and time again. This time it's, you know, it's apes uh, who are, are trying to um, rally for their rights and, and overcome tyranny. And unfortunately it's come at a cost, you know, there, there's been some damage done. And uh, this yes. one's definitely the most overtly like issue based. Yeah. And I, 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 I dug it. There's, and there's the one character in it who's kind of like the human who's on their side, whatever, who even sees Caesar going like a little too far. And Caesar's right. just like, you know, making the comparison where it's just like, are we the oppressed not in our rights to challenge our oppressors and, and you know, get revenge on our oppressors? And, you know, we were slaves and we should have the right to fight against, you know, those who kept us in captivity. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and this guy who's black is just like, you know, my ancestors were slaves and my grandfather was a slave. And, you know, I should know what this is like more than like any other human. You know, we we have this similar feeling. And, and this, I feel, is is taking things. This is not the right direction to take. And Caesar's just like, eh, go fuck yourself. This is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 More poetically than that. Right. It's yeah. No, but it's right. I I agree with you. It's maybe I'm like this one or uh <laughs> I get them all confused. Battle? This one or 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 battle I guess would be um my like my favorite of the sequels. Well, let's talk about Battle. This is 1973. Uh, one year after conquest. Oh wait, sorry. No, I don't think I saw. Ba- I think Battle is the only one that I didn't see because I think okay. it's the only one that was not streaming. Gotcha. Um, okay, so Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Dan, nineteen seventy three. Yes. The stakes are higher than ever as humans and apes clash in an epic showdown. Caesar, the charismatic ape leader, must navigate a treacherous path to maintain peace and prevent a catastrophic war. With the fate of two species hanging in the balance, alliances will be tested, loyalty shattered, and the ultimate battle for survival unfolds. It's a fight to determine who will inherit the earth. Will it be a harmonious coexistence or a world dominated by primal instincts? And so this one, it takes place more in like a ape society where Caesar is working with other apes to educate the apes, teach them how to write, teach them how to speak properly. Uh, He's teaching them how to, you know to kind of be their own civilization. And there are some humans who maybe are there not so again, not so like willingly. Well, that's kind of like, I don't know. There's some sort of alliance, but it's not like a hundred percent. Um, and it's tenuous for sure. And, uh, there's the, the main credo that they have is ape shall not kill ape. And, uh, there's, a lot that I love about this movie, especially because uh, it includes a few actors who we haven't seen before. I'd like to shout out Claude Akins, who plays uh, Aldo, who's like the chief 
Gorilla, the main opposer of Caesar's more or less pacifist beliefs, uh, mm. Claude Aikens, who, when Dan, I was watching Murder, She Wrote the other week, <laughs> and a dude comes on screen, and I was like, oh my God, that's Aldo from Battle for the Planet of the Apes, except for nice. I've only ever seen him as a gorilla, but I can tell in his eyes that's the same guy, and I looked it up, sure enough it is. <laughs> so he's like a regular on Murder, She Wrote, and... um Plays a different kind of character, for sure. We have uh, musical virtuoso Paul Williams as Virgil, one of the other apes. Dan, you're familiar with Paul Williams? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fan yeah. of the Paradise. Uh, Fan of the Paradise, a... writer of, you know, the Rainbow Connection. Right. And, you yeah. know, it's just completely brilliant songwriter and uh, and actor. Um, we also have John Houston, uh, you know, yes. acting veteran as as the lawgiver. And we have a, I believe, a non-speaking uh, early performance from a well-known filmmaker, John Landis. Uh, I saw his name in the opening credits and I was like, couldn't, could it be the same John wow. Landis? Sure enough, it's yeah, John, John Landis, Landis. Wow. who uh, did a little bit of acting before he really became a, a known filmmaker. So, uh, you know, that one really takes place within a secluded ape society that's kind of outside of a city and, uh, it's more of a battle between a uh, between Caesar and, um, Aldo. So this kind of sounds like the, um, like so this, this is like a dawn of the planet of the apes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. You knew I forgot the name again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's confusing. Also, I feel like dawn should be the first one and then rise should be the second one. Right, just the names make more sense. That I way? mean, well, you know, I guess it's, uh, this is a this franchise is an early riser, so um, oh up before God. dawn. Okay, there, there we go. There <laughs> you we got have that out of system. Okay, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. So you didn't see this one. No. I mean, I think that's okay. Um, that I you don't. Didn't, there's but, a, there's a lot to get through. Yeah. The year after this, we get the Planet of the Apes live action TV series. The year after that is the return to the Planet of the Apes animated series, which you can watch. It's all on YouTube. Yeah. I got, you know, I got a little bit into the first episode. I was like, all right, I don't need to keep watching this. But, you know, it's all still got the look of the Planet of the Apes series. Um, What happens on like on the animated series? Like. On the animated series Return to the Planet of the Apes, a small group of humans, including astronauts Bill Hudson and Jeff Allen, form alliances with chimpanzee Zira and her brave son Cornelius. Together, they navigate the treacherous ape city and uncover dark secrets about the origins of their civilization. With stunning animation and a gripping narrative, the series explores themes of survival, scientific advancement, and the fragile balance between humans and apes. So is it kind of like a reboot? Because I I don't I mean Zira I hardly and her son it. Cornelius it's, or are they just like further I think it's down the just, line? I, I think it's really just like doing its own thing. It's really just like fuck it, kids will watch it. Yeah, the um they'll make the, toys. The live action series, which you know, I think I watched a little bit of the second episode. It's on YouTube. Um, the series follows astronauts Alan Verdon, Pete Burke, and their evolved chimpanzee companion Galen as they traverse a desolate landscape, encountering both 
friend and foe, as the trio searches for a way to return home, they confront the prejudices and power struggles within the ape society and befriend a group of humans fighting for freedom. Each episode delves into social commentary, exploring themes of oppression, discrimination, and the inherent qualities that define humanity. With this intriguing mix of adventure, political intrigue, and the philosophical undertones, the Planet of the Apes TV series captivates audiences with its unique blend of sci-fi storytelling and allegorical depth. My voice is going to be gone after this episode. Oh, you're going to be like one of the uh, one of the humans. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, there we go. Here we have it. All right. The simian flu. This is how it happens. People podcast too much and lose their voices. Yes. <laughs> okay. So does that bring us to Rise? To, 2011, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, directed by Rupert Wyatt, written by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. Uh, they are a... Married, uh, you know, creative team. Uh, the idea came about with before it was actually a Planet of the Apes movie. Uh, Rick Jaffa kind of approached Amanda Silver with the idea of like, you know, what if, uh, you know, a laboratory chimpanzee, you know, there was like a mutation and something happened, you know, and then it just kind of turned into this Planet of the Apes reboot prequel like, series like they wrote it and got to like the third act and they were like are we writing a planet of the apes prequel <laughs> no what? i think that it i think it happened more quickly than that oh, okay. uh, you know it's like as they were developing it they're just like you know actually this could probably be that and do i synopsize please on a mission to create a drug designed to eradicate alzheimer's scientist will rodman is employed by pharma giant gen sis after one of his lab chimps gives birth, Will takes the baby home not knowing that the drug he designed altered the baby chimp's DNA and gave it abilities to outperform other chimps. But when this ape, named Caesar, harms a human, he is sent to a facility that houses other apes who get loaned out for scientific purposes. Upset to learn how apes are actually treated, Caesar breaks them all out of the facility, dosing them with the same drug used to make Caesar more advanced, which he cleverly stole from the lab. Caesar and his team of advanced apes escape to the Redwoods where they can be left in peace to begin their own lives away from humans. Meanwhile, the next-gen version of Will's Alzheimer's drug gets prematurely tested and ends up getting into the bloodstream of a colleague who suffers severely and eventually dies. So, this one, you know, uh, the scientist Will is played by James Franco. Uh, his father is John Lithgow. Ah, uh, yes. um, yeah, uh, Brian Cox is the guy who runs this evil, slimy chimp facility. Yeah, where Tom Felton is a uh, an employee there who sucks, and of course Andy Circus is Caesar. Oh, and don't forget Frida Pinto. Frida Pinto is Will's girlfriend, who is a a doctor treating John Lithgow's Alzheimer's. And yeah, I remember seeing this one in the theater. I was, this was back when I was doing reviews and, mm -hmm. uh, saw it, I uh, saw a screening of it and was, you know, it's like when you hear like, okay, they're rebooting Planet of the Apes. Okay. This is like a Planet of the Apes prequel. Okay. Let's, let's see. And, Man, I was it's good. I was I don't want to say blown away by it because that might be a little exaggerating a little bit. But I was like, wow, like that was they like you get into it when um when Caesar is sure. 
Oh, yes. Oh, no, I was saying, so he, you know, he's not verbal until he says no such to an, Tom Felton. And it's amazing. It's so impactful. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. The chemistry between Caesar and not just, you know, James Franco, but also the other apes are, you know, it's so amazing well, i mean andy circus is just the oh is so. so amazing at giving these uh motion capture performances um amazing actor in and out of mocap regardless but, yeah. yeah but throughout the whole that whole trilogy cuz i was just watching war um you know i yeah. finished watching it earlier today not for the first times um but uh you know the the performances and the relationships uh you know like Maurice the other ape that he befriends yeah. in that like facility yeah. uh the Brian Cox facility there um it, it, it's so touching and the moments but they're so like these movies are really i i think well written and i think there's just a lot of intention and thought yeah. that that goes into them and making them, um, you know, real stories and and giving the characters real development, um, and, and treating them as as characters and you know not gimmicks and the special no, yeah. effects are just you lose yourself in it. Oh, you so you totally do. The, the effects are so good and, um. Yeah, I think I don't know if we talk about each of the each of the prequel trilogy movies we or do. just kind of talk about the whole thing. Well, let me let's just kind yeah. of slam through them. Uh so the next two, Dawn and War, are directed by Matt Reeves, who a lot of people now would know as the director of The Batman. Um, but you know, certainly was a uh a well known director before that time. Cloverfield and- was that him uh I you know he was one of those directors that came out of uh was it like Cal Arts or something like that he was a JJ or, or US USC guy. yeah they they all kind of came up together kind of in yeah he did Cloverfield no slouch he at did all le- yeah let me in was the other one yeah. of his that I was like yeah I mean I I dig what he does yeah all right so this is 2014 dawn of the, dawn of the planet of the apes. Several years later, the virus that took the life of the one scientist has infected most of the human world, taking their lives. By this time, Caesar and his civilization of apes have begun to thrive in the Redwoods, and education has increased in their society. They have one credo, that apes do not kill apes. But when a few humans venture into ape territory and an ape gets shot, former lab chimp Koba is not pleased with Caesar's lax reaction, forbidding to retaliate against the humans with force. The humans who are trying to activate a power source in ape territory, form an alliance with Caesar, promising to leave them alone once they can activate San Francisco's power. Koba, meanwhile, forms a rebellion after an assassination attempt against Caesar, claiming it was by the hands of humans. There's an all-out war resulting in a fight to the death between Caesar and Koba. So uh, Toby Kebbell plays Koba, uh, who's incredible. Uh, another just amazing actor mm-hmm. who's, uh, you know, the way that he comes through in this 
CGI characters. Really, really stunning. Yeah. Uh, Judy Greer plays Cornelia, who's Caesar's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, well, Karen Conneval is Maurice, the orangutan, yeah. uh, who's just absolutely stunning. But um, also there's uh, some really incredible uh, human actors. I mean, they're all human actors, but uh, human cast. So Jason Clark yeah. is Malcolm, who kind of leads his charge. Uh, there's the aforementioned Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. Ellie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Oldman is Dreyfus, who's a former police officer, who's really like leading the charge of the humans to kind of retaliate against the apes. That's and a, so, yeah, standard, uh, you know, Gary Oldman. Man, how many franchises is Gary Oldman in? Dude, that dude works. I mean, deservedly yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, and so the the whole idea is that they need to get the power restored so that they can communicate with the rest of the world to see who's still out there. Because this virus and the way that they demonstrate how this virus has torn through the world. Uh, you know, this was made in 20 or came out in 2014. But, you know, as we've seen from COVID, you know, it's a lot of the same type of things that we saw where oh, it's like yeah. urging people to stay indoors. And uh, I imagine they just didn't, weren't able to develop a vaccine because uh, it just kind of tore through the human population. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, this takes place in San Francisco, but they don't know like what else is out there. And it raised a lot of questions of just like, you know, what is the world like outside of this story? And that's what we find out in War for the Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. um, which, man, this movie, which, by the way, at the time of this recording, you know, late May uh, 2023, the trilogy is on, uh, it's it's 10 bucks on Apple TV, so <laughs> totally worth it. So, it, okay, here we go. War for the Planet of the Apes. In the years following Caesar's battle with Koba, he is still haunted by the blood on his hands from the altercation, now focused on keeping his family safe from the outside world. Meanwhile, the virus caused by Will Rodman's next-gen Alzheimer's medication has begun to mutate and restrict humans' ability to speak. One person impacted is the son of a military radical who has created a a militia called Alpha Omega. This colonel is hell-bent on enslaving the chimps, torturing Caesar and eliminating all military forces who don't align with his extreme beliefs. When the colonel kills Caesar's wife and son, Caesar goes on a revenge mission with Orangutan Maurice and Chimps Rocket and Luna, eventually teaming up with an escaped circus ape who only knows himself as Bad Ape. These four apes are joined by a young mute girl who they rescue along the way, though Caesar is not too thrilled. But the bond between her and the other apes grows strong and they all work together on a rescue mission at the colonel's compound. The colonel, played by Woody Harrelson, clearly a send-up of Kurtz from oh, Apocalypse Now. They don't even. There's hide no it. avoiding that. Yeah, they, it even says the Apocalypse Now in the uh, the tunnel. Oh there. yeah, and uh, Steve Zahn is Bad Ape, who's so good, magnificent. Uh love Steve Zahn. Yes, and uh, this movie just fucking rules, dude. It's so good. You know, it's it's a story of, you know, what happens when somebody's family is taken from them and, you know, by some crazy radical. It's an intense. Yeah, it's 
it's it's really really incredible and you know it shows so much about the depth of caesar's character yeah you know going from uh, somebody who's you know trying to protect his family to somebody who's trying to get revenge to somebody who gains empathy for you know the person who took you know tried to take it all from him and i uh, just goes to show the the incredible range of Andy Circus, the 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 writing of this because Matt Reeves I believe also wrote it yeah just absolutely mm-hmm. terrific oh yeah yeah absolutely and uh you know actually I want to verify oh no written by uh Mark Bomback and Matt Reeves okay uh as reports have it uh this uh this will continue this this series Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. It has just wrapped filming, and they just released some of the footage. Oh, d- oh, footage! I've only seen some like concept art from it. This is just like the other day. Oh, wow! So yeah, uh, and I believe that this takes place in a post Caesar ape uprising, and uh, I don't know anything else about it, but I'm excited. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm kind of I'm in on this. It's interesting because now it is technically under the you know Disney, it's it's in the Disney Empire. Yeah. So, I mean, holy cow! Uh, it's so it's crazy to think of all of the. Uh, you think of Fox and the sci-fi. I was thinking about this the other day, and just like what studios. Like how Warner Brothers was, you know, once upon a time, it was like that was the studio that made crime dramas and, you know, gangster gangster movies. And I was trying to think, I was like, what was Paramount like? Was Paramount like more comedies? And then I think of Fox and I think of the sci-fi franchises that come through Fox uh alien like what else okay. Pla- aliens planet of the apes i mean i guess as a star wars <laughs> um, yeah famously uh you know kind of uh, avatar um i mean our avatar i think you know was it was fox when it came out but you know the second oh got second it was all all disney so uh but i i just feel like man there's all these great sci-fi maybe action franchises as well you throw in die hard and yeah uh, and you know you know you, you mentioned uh avatar i also want to mention that i don't know if it was all three of them but definitely dawn and war were released in 3d and i remembered seeing them both in 3d and being blown away it you know that extra dimension is very effective nice. in I, these movies. I uh, man, you know, I don't think I saw them in three D. I, uh, I I remember seeing them in theater in three D, and you know, not every movie works well in three D. These did. Yeah, yeah. No, I I just, for some reason I don't remember seeing them. In, I was not. I was did not object to the three D movies though. At this point, I might have been, uh, or this might have been a um, wife prefers 2D. So, oh, okay. Thing. So, um, but anyway, we're not talking about 3D. We're talking about uh, what 
what else? We know that this prequel trilogy is, is expanding beyond a trilogy uh, and will be Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. And there's there's speculation as to whether or not the like kind of alternate timelines will reconcile um, if we'll see something that is more like a remake of the original Planet of the Apes that will eventually come from that yeah through line so what do you think john where where do you want to i don't know where do you see the movie okay. going where do you see, what tell me well tell me, tell me. as you know obviously this has covered so much territory uh and if you want to count that you know simpsons parody also has seen the stage uh <laughs> in in the best way possible um we are definitely in an era of, you know, the gritty reboot. Uh, Planet of the Apes was, you know, right there with like the Dark Knight series as being part of this like big wave of gritty reboots. And the original Planet of the Apes, especially the first three movies, you know, were campy. They were, they had an element of fun to them. They were a little bit brighter. Um, you compared it to the monkeys earlier. Escape from like, the Planet of the Apes, especially. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I think that it'd be really cool to do a series of different takes. Like, even if they all came out at the same time, different directors, different actors' takes on the original Planet of the Apes movie embracing the camp of it you know kind of taking away the like you know societal deep messaging of it all and kind of just leaning into the silliness of it a little bit and uh, perhaps this is just like a maybe it's a series maybe it's a series where each episode is really just different creators takes on the original and I think that it'd be really fun also to take casts of different, you know, popular television shows and put them into their own Planet of the Apes. So like the cast of Euphoria, you know, like uh, having Zendaya be the tailor and maybe Hunter Schaefer is you know, Zira, you know, like, you know, doing something fun like that. Uh, the cast of Ted Lasso, I mean, Brett Goldstein, how great would Brett Goldstein be as an ape and like Phil Dunster as your tailor? Or you you can even get entertainers from outside of more traditional acting stuff. I'd love to see Lil Nas X in, in, in a Planet of the Apes doing like a very Lil Nas X-y kind of vibe to everything. Because these are campy. These are fun movies to watch. And I think that that needs to kind of be embraced a little bit. You're just nodding at okay. me. I am nodding at you now because I'm I'm processing it. I'm like, it's it seems like it's almost it's like an anthology series, yeah. but we're it's like it's like, okay, you're gonna watch Planet of the Apes each week, but you're gonna watch a different take yeah. on it so i i mean i'm talking about i'm like you know what that interests me more than a lot of other shows uh <laughs> like so i'm gonna basically watch like maybe a let's say a 90 minute 
version of yeah. Planet. You know, if you go by like, you know, like the standards of a show like like Sherlock or, or Black Mirror, where sure, some episodes yeah. could be like 90 minutes and they're like little mini movies anyway. And it's like, you know, yes, this week it is Werner Herzog's uh, Planet of the Apes, uh, which I would be. <laughs> I would so be down for. Well, I mean, Wes Anderson's Planet of the Wes Apes. Anderson's uh, David Lynch's Planet of the Apes. Uh, you know, get Kyle MacLachlan in there. <laughs> I don't know. There's so much that you can do. There's, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, a lot of the cast of Mad Men. I, uh, you know, or Breaking Bad. You know, well, or what if you just did episodes? But what if it was. Uh, uh, and I, 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 this is not your idea. This is, but this is a splinter off of, of your idea. But imagining that you're producing television for the, like this, all the alternate planet of the apes where if Gen- general, they'd, you know, came back, uh, or, and, you know, you have the apes. So it's basically just like an episode of Mad Men as written, but it's apes. And it's like mad apes. And well, so yeah, it's like, what if this world that you are so familiar with from these TV shows took place in the universe of Planet of the Apes? And there are perhaps some humans and then civilized apes in that same kind of costuming from the original series. I feel like the secretaries in Mad Men would be the humans. Yeah. Yeah. So. I feel like so that that would kind of be that would kind of be fun. Um, yeah. What do you what do you think, Dan? Well, ah, uh, you know, I was like, I was really thinking like what. I definitely wasn't thinking along those lines. Um, <laughs> so uh, kudos. Uh, but I was kind of thinking about like you know. Where could you maybe see some more creative spins on it? Would anime be a oh, okay, you know, a format for for Planet of the Apes or you know just graphic novels uh, in general? Which I mean, I know there's comic books and stuff like that. You know, trying to think of it as a series because it had been done as a series before. And I was thinking, I was like, well, I, you know, that sounds like an HBO thing. Right. <laughs> or I guess it wouldn't be. It would be Disney. It would be Disney Plus. So uh, I would rather see it as the HBO. Uh, I think I would rather see it as the HBO series than a Disney Plus series because I don't think it would be as like distinct. And I think it would just be like built on as an appendage to whatever new movies they're creating. So um, I'm imagining kind of a like, you know, The Last of Us uh, tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But I your idea is I I like that's a lot. I just I I just I I mean, I it's kind of, you know, we're just speculating anyway. And these are fun ideas. So the idea of I mean, it's kind of like taking those movies and saying like, you know, okay, uh, you know, Muppet version of this. Who's who's the only human? Oh, yeah. Which I I think the one I want to see most is Muppet Magnolia, um, where where we keep Julianne Moore. (laughs) What about Jason Robards? Uh, Sam the Eagle. 
Yeah. Or mm. Statler and Waldorf together. Statler and Waldorf together and in no, one bed. Well, except I'm well I'll, I'll, you do that and then have Sam the Eagle in the uh Philip Baker Hall role. Yeah, I could see that a little bit more. I kind of do have it mapped yeah. out. Um, I know you do. You've texted yes. it to me. Oh, I've texted yeah. it to you. Yes. I think it would work quite well. I want to see Gonzo in the Tom Cruise role. And with yeah, absolutely that vest. Yes. Absolutely. He's you know, a showman. I want to hear Gonzo screaming, respect the cock. Um, and then Camilla just going. Uh, uh, that's, that's what would happen. Yes. So, but anyway, I don't think I'm up at Planet of the Apes would work because it's just too, but you're going around too much. I don't know. But yeah, so that's kind of my idea is just like maybe like an anime Planet of the Apes. Um you know, it being reimagined in some type of form. I do think at some point an actual, like either, a, I, I do think a, a remake, and I don't know about a straight up remake, but a more straight up remake than the 2001 version. Yeah, I, I also feel like there hasn't been anything that's truly captured the novel. I I feel like if there was somebody who just did like a straight adaptation, like, you know, beat for beat of the novel, that'd yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, I mean, not having read the novel, I would still be interested in in that. Um, yeah, which, by the way, uh, the novel is also bookended uh, by two travelers who are essentially on a space sailboat ship, Jin and Phyllis, and they find a message in a bottle, and the message in the bottle is you know, thin sheets of paper, very tiny writing, and it's the entire book, uh, you know, from the perspective of the essentially Taylor character. And then at the end, it is revealed that Jin and Phyllis are chimps. The, <laughs> just saying. Just kind of adding that. It's a, it's a great read. I uh, just got it from the library. It's 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 fun. And it's will, awesome. And and I just love reading it knowing like this is what caused such mania yeah, yeah. for for this. Like this created an entire uh you know phenomenon. And before we go, I don't know if it came up earlier, but just got a shout out and this was my first exposure and I didn't get the reference at the time. I just thought it was funny. But the Spaceballs Planet of oh, the Apes. Yeah. Spaceballs did it. Uh, oh yeah. shit! There goes the planet. There goes I, the planet. Yeah, just thought it was hilarious. But then when I no, saw Planet yeah. of the Apes, it was like, oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah, and here's the here's for me what it's all about. This is such a great series. I watched the 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 first the 1968 Planet of the Apes again today. Uh, just because I had watched that one, then all of the other ones, and yeah. I was like, now I want to kind of go back to that one, and and uh, Charlton Heston is so goddamn ridiculous, <laughs> and uh, I can't imagine anybody else doing it. But I just look at him, I'm just like, oh my god, you are such a cartoon. Te- oh, terrible, 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 <laughs> but kind of perfect. Well, no, I, yes, I. I Yes, I I I love the performance, but because it is such a performance, and it's so much about like his 
greasy his greased up chest and his oh <laughs> yeah but uh you know i really love what they did about his kind of like scorn for human civilization as it was in 1960s because he hates hippies america <laughs> yeah. well yeah he comments to uh is it lucian who is like zira's nephew cornelius's nephew uh because he's shaving at the end and they're just like, why are you removing your oh yeah your your fur or whatever they say? And he's like, where I come from, only people who wear beards are kids your age. Pointing to like Lucian or whatever, and uh, Julius. It's, it, Julius, Julius. That's right. Uh, that's what it is. And what's okay? So also about Julius. What I'm wondering is, are you familiar with Paul Frank? The like uh, clothing brand. Yes. But there's the monkey character and that monkey's name is Julius. Oh, and yeah. I, I wonder if that's supposed to be a nod to Planet of the Apes. I mean, that would make sense. It would make sense. Uh, also, the um, I, I do really like how the the newer series, you know, pays homage in a lot of ways to the original, you know, naming the orangutan Maurice after Maurice Evans mm. and uh, in War for the Planet of the Apes, you know, there's the the girl, the little girl who yeah. is mute and uh, one of the little trinkets that Bad Ape has that he kind of gives to her is from a Chevy Nova and uh, Maurice names her Nova. Yeah. And they actually use Charlton Heston's audio right. to make it say Nova. Right. Nova. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. I mean, they, they treated it so that it sounds like it's coming more from an orangutan, but I love it. I, I thought that those, all those things were really fun, really clever. Um, I just really appreciate the... Um, the thought that's being put into this new series, newer series. I mean, it's not really new anymore. And I, I have a lot of respect for just everybody who's working to kind of bring this back. And I, I feel bad for Tim Burton that, you know, his project came together in the way that it did. I feel like if he had more time, you know, for a lot of people, this is kind of the beginning of the end of Tim Burton. Uh, prior to this, he was really on such a hot streak. And then after this, it was just, you know, remakes or adaptations and yeah, I mean, and, and anything else was kind of like big eyes or something that didn't really shine through. Well, or, or I was like, he had big fish, uh, that came. What year was big fish? One. That was, was like right around this was big fish. Like Oh three. Um, big fish was around then. And I think like Sweeney Todd, was not long yeah, after Yeah, but did that. people really like... I don't know if people really like that stuff. Ah. I mean, the I feel like the Tim Burton purists were... I mean, Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a lot of dog barking stuff over here. Yeah, look, I mean... and It's, it's, it, it's second dinner time for these dogs. But look, so Tim Burton... Uh, you know, the Tim Burton classics were, you know, pre... Were definitely pre-Planet of the Apes. I don't know that I would include Sleepy Hollow... In that it's kind of borderline for me, but Mars Attacks, um, Batman, Mars Attacks, Batman Ed Returns, Wood, Edward Scissorhands. I mean, Ed Wood is in a is is Pee-wee's Big know. Adventure. Pee-wee's yeah. Big Adventure, which, by the way, the score for Planet of the Apes, nineteen sixty eight, reminded me a lot of like Danny Elfman's like uh, earlier scoring works. There a lot of like the piano, like the low, like do 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 do. 
You know, a lot of that, you know, it sounded a lot as I was watching it this time around the the most recent time I was like, this feels a lot like some of those earlier Danny Elfman scores. Anyway, everybody listening, thank you for putting up with us for this long time. I know that I have so much more that I would want to say, but this is not just about it's having about every single detail about Planet of the Apes. But look, it's a fun series, a fun franchise. Clearly, they're they're not done yet. And it's going to, uh, you know, who knows what other forms, because I don't know that I would have, you know, after seeing the 2001 Planet of the Apes, I don't know that I would have predicted something like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And No, and I'm glad that it happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my, you know what else I'm glad happened is that the next movie we're covering was made. Dan, do you want to tell everybody what the next one is? Yes, we're going to be talking about 1998's The Truman Show, directed by Peter Weir, starring Jim Carrey, Laura Linney, Noah Emmerich, uh, and uh, Ed Harris. Is uh, such uh, I I'm I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, and and to talk about it with you on the next episode. And Dan, uh, as as my dogs are barking their heads off, and uh, and you are traveling into the future to a civilization, hopefully that is not just apes. I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Good journey.